Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. This summer, our family traveled to Toronto, Canada to visit Melanie's brother, Rick. Richard, he goes by Richard now, who is an associate rector at an Anglican parish there in Toronto. And after we left there, we decided to go to Niagara Falls on the Canada side to see that marvelous wonder. It's also where Melanie's mom and dad went on their honeymoon back in 1960. So there were several reasons to encourage us to go there. Seeing the falls for the first time was, for me, like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. Just an overwhelming sense of awe and majesty and inspiration. It, it really helps uh, us to connect with our God, who is so amazing, our God who created all that exists. While we were at the falls, we heard stories of daredevils who either went over the falls in a barrel or some other vessel or tried to cross. One such daredevil was a man named Charles Blondin, who was born in France in 1824. He was from a famous family of acrobats, and he came to the United States in 1855. He had the idea to cross the Niagara Falls, and did so in the summer of 1859, 160 feet above the roaring waters below, with no safety net, no harnesses, no cables, nothing but a balancing pole. As he crossed, both sides looked on. He crossed several times, once with a sack over his body, another time on a bicycle, another time on stilts, and then another time he had a cook set on his back that he had packed up, and when he got out to the middle, he unpacked it, and cooked an omelet there over Niagara Falls. This is true. Not making this up. Well, that July, he decided to walk backward across the type rope from the United States side to the Canada side, and he returned pushing a wheelbarrow. And then everybody was just in awe and excited about what he was doing. The crowds watched with anticipation, like, what would he do next? And he said, how many of you believe I can carry a person over to the other side in this wheelbarrow? And they all raised their hand. Who would like to volunteer? Nobody raised their hand. Not one person. I don't know that I would have volunteered to get in the wheelbarrow, but this story does speak to me about how often I say I trust God, 
I say I have faith in God. I believe in the scriptures that God can help me, but often I hold on to my problems. I hold on to my challenges. I hold on to my past sins and failures. I, I believe that God forgives me, but I hold on to those things and don't let them go. And I don't know why that is. I guess maybe like you, maybe I, we all struggle with our faith in some way. That's why we need God's help and His grace And that's why we need words of encouragement that we find in Hebrews chapter 11 in particular. A little faith goes a long way. It moves mountains. Faith says that I can do today what I can do so that tomorrow I will be able to do what I cannot do today. Faith says I will do today what I can do so that tomorrow... I will be able to do what I cannot do today. If your marriage is struggling, can you make a call to a counselor today so that tomorrow you can do what you cannot do today? If you're struggling with an addiction, can you take that first step to a meeting today so that tomorrow you will be able to do what you cannot do today? If you're struggling with health challenges, can you make a decision today, something that you can do, so that tomorrow you might be able to do what you cannot do today. I believe that's what faith is about. Faith gives us the strength and the courage to trust God to do things that we can do with His power today so that tomorrow will be better than it is today. During the series in Hebrews, we've asked the question, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus of history? Who is this Jesus of faith that helps us to move the mountains in our lives. The writer or the preacher, as he or she is known, helps the first century Christians connect the jots with the Jewish background and context of Jesus, helps us to see the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus taught, the way Jesus acts, and the way that Jesus strengthens us today. As the Son of God, Jesus as the writer says, is the exact representation of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, simply look at Jesus. The writer, the preacher, also teaches that Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus, who speaks on God's behalf to us and on our behalf to God. He's our mediator. The preacher shows us Jesus, the suffering servant who endured temptation in every way yet was without sin. Shows us the mercy of God, Jesus, the mercy of God who understands our deepest needs and the desires of our hearts. Points us to the love of Jesus, the love of God Jesus is, who prepares a place for us and loves us so much that says, I will come back and I will take you to be where I am. And the writer shows us Jesus as the promise of God who promised to be with us to the very end of the age. Jesus is each of these persons in every way, all at the same time. One Jesus in all of these ways simultaneously. And in chapter 11, we find encouragement. Back during the time this was shared as a 
many scholars believe a sermon, there were a lot of Jewish Christians who had withdrawn or given up on their faith. They had experienced hardships and trials and temptations and persecution. And the preacher goes back into their history to remind them of those who had gone before them to provide encouragement to them, to spur them on, as we learned last week. I want to take you back to that text at the end of chapter 10 as it speaks into chapter 11 today. Starting at verses 19 and then through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, our baptism. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then verse 32, remember those earlier days you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Remember those tough days. And then verse 35 through 39. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and not delay. And but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. In verse 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Faith is not shrinking back and giving up. Rather, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we believe. The message version says it like this in chapter 11, verse 1. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. The Greek word translated assurance is this word uh, for foundation, for our underpinning, for that which helps us to stand firm. The amplified version. Now faith is the assurance the title and deed, the confirmation of things divinely guaranteed. The new living, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The preacher gives us story after story of heroes of the faith. People who trusted God. People who held on to the hope that they had. People who believed in God though they could not see God. These are the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. Back before Isabella was born, Melanie and I spent one of our wedding anniversaries in California doing some traveling. It was our 12th anniversary. As tourists in the Hollywood area, we saw 
the Hollywood mansions, we saw the movie studios, we saw, uh, we went to Rodeo Drive and saw all the fancy shops and stores. We went to the Tonight Show when Jay Leno was doing it out in LA, you know, that's all changed. And we happened to be there at a time when a fairly unknown singer was the finalist in American Idol, right there at the Kodak Theater. We walked right by it when she was there in town and Oh, well, you know, we we just did some other things. We could have seen Kelly Clarkson. We walked down Hollywood Walk of Fame, and we saw all kinds of bronze stars with all these different names of singers and movie stars and so forth. And right there in the middle of them all was a star devoted to Billy Graham. It helped us to see that his faith transcended all boundaries and how he touched so many people. Hebrews chapter 11 is like that walk of fame, maybe the Bible walk of fame, an all-star cast of people who lived by faith and not by sight. I'd like to take just a few moments and look at some of these characters as they lived by faith and making some application that might help us in our journey of faith. Maybe you consider them some steps along your and my journey of faith. That we take risks for God. When you look through the names on these pages and go back and read their stories in the Old Testament, you see that they took risks in one way or another. They broke out of what was safe and they trusted God to take risks of faith. Verses 7 and 8 speak to us about Noah. and We can only imagine what it would have been like to experience the scorn and the ridicule of others while Noah was building an ark in the middle of a place where there was absolutely no water anywhere. And that this story helps us know that nothing of significance happens apart from some person taking a risk. Noah took those risks. And you see the way that his family and the animals of the land and of the air and all of the, um, the hope that we have was stored in that ark and how Noah was a person who lived by righteousness and faith. He took great risks. We also see in, in Hebrews 11 verses 8 through following God giving a vision to Abram. This was a relocation by faith. God told Abram to go to a place or to go to a land that I would show you. Uh, no map, no GPS system, uh, no promise of what was there. So he took his family and they left. You can't stay where you are and go with God whether it's a physical move like Abram or whether it's a spiritual change of heart, we cannot stay where we are and go with God. There's got to be a relocation, adjustments in our priorities as we seek to follow the vision of God. Our hearts will fill with joy, not because of an easy journey, but because of our confidence in what God will do where God is leading us to go and be. So there are some risks involved in this journey of faith. There are often relocations, whether it's like us when we 
relocated to Richmond to attend seminary and begin our lives here from South Carolina, or whether it's simply a relocation spiritually inside us. We can't stay where we are and go with God. And as we're on this journey, we trust God for the resources. I believe that where God guides us, God is going to provide the resources. God called a small group out of Bonaire Baptist some years ago to start a church here in this area. And we started over across the street in a house and then moved to Bonaire Elementary School and then purchased the land that we, our campus sits on now. God gave a vision to that small group of people, those early charter members, and God provided resources over the time that we've been here. And now look at the strong and vibrant church that we are. Moses is one of these people listed in verse 27 and following. God called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. And Moses was not eloquent. He had a real concern, a fear of speaking in front of people. And he's, Lord, Lord, I can't do this. I can't talk eloquently. I stutter. And God said, I'm going to provide you someone to speak for you and your brother Aaron. Now go and follow me. And Moses followed the Lord knowing that God would provide the resources for him. Paul writes that we learn to trust God who supplies us from his glorious riches in Christ. And we can look back and see the activity of God in the past and be assured that what God has done in the past, that God will do in the future. That's the beauty of this passage in Hebrews 11. We can see the activity of God among the heroes of the faith and be assured that God is unchanging and will provide in the same way for us as we follow the vision of God today. In the early service, I shared this and I thought that it would be meaningful for all of us to hear. About a year and a half ago or so, we started to vision what it might be like if our contemporary worship service moved back into the gym. So we really felt that moving it back over to the gym would would put it into a smaller atmosphere and we could do some more creative things and uh, so in order for that to happen there had to be a lot of new equipment purchased and there had to be people to serve with setup and takedown and preparing coffee and um, the guest services and all of that that would be a part of making the service successful and we didn't know how it would turn out but we sensed God leading us in that vision. And then earlier this spring, while Philip was on his sabbatical, we came and brought it to the congregation, and the congregation approved it, and there were some stipulations that we had to have some funds raised for the new equipment, and we had to have people step up to volunteer for all these things. And you stepped up, and you gave, and you made commitments. And now we've been in the new service, The Awakening, for two months, and it is going so very well. We're so very blessed and thankful. I never would have imagined what it is today. I never could have visualized, I never could have done that on my own. And it's really amazing, as Philip was on sabbatical, God gave him a, a vision of what it might look like and be like. And Matt Richardson, who's our new praise team leader, who is a member here, had some of the very same vision from God, I, uh, 
even the, the name of the service, both of them simultaneously in different places came up with the name Awakening. And I remember that day when you all came by my office. I'm in there in the afternoon working, studying or preparing in some way, and they knocked on my door. Do you have a few minutes? I said, yes, yeah, sure, come on in. And they shared, Matt and Philip shared what God had been up to. And so uh, when God gives a vision, God provides the resources. And I'm so very thankful for a church who trusts God and who responds to the call of God when there is a need. Along this journey of faith, we must also work in relationships. We cannot be lone rangers. We have to work together. This is sharing mission together with others. In verse 30 of chapter 11, there's the story briefly though, pointing back to Jericho and how when the God's people led by Joshua came into Canaan, the land of promise, there was still yet a battle of Jericho to come. And they trusted God to lead them and they worked together and they followed Joshua's leadership and as they circled around the city of Jericho and then you know the story of how the walls came tumbling down. We must learn to trust those around us. We must learn to lean in on each other. We are called to a life of ministry, mission, and partnerships with all sorts of people, whether they're denominational, whether they're a community like Chesterfield County Parks and Rec, who we have a wonderful partnership with. We work with all sorts of people, and we work together, leaning in on each other as a team, as a family, and as a church on this journey of faith. And we press on with resolve. There's so much encouragement in the book of Hebrews that in, um, helps us to have resolve, to help us have a strong faith, to help us to say yes daily to God when He calls. There are many of these listed in chapter 11, verse 32 and following. Let me just read a few verses to you, of, of, starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say, the preacher says, I didn't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, and their weaknesses were turned to strength. They pressed on with resolve. We, people of Huguenot Road Baptist Church, must press on with resolve. We must spur one another on. We must never cease meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This journey of faith is hard, especially in this world today. It is hard to be a Christian on a college campus. It is really hard to be a Christian in the high school setting. It is very difficult to be a Christian in the corporate environment. Sometimes we feel like we can't talk about our faith or we have to be careful what we say or don't say. And God desires for us to be the light of the world in those places and will give us the strength and the resolve that we need to carry out our faith. We must press on and trust Him. That we believe in all of our hearts that this journey of faith is worth every minute of it. Every sacrifice, every step, the required disciplines, the mountains that we 
face and the valleys that we experience. We must trust God who goes before us in every way. The psalmist says, I lift mine eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And when life is like a tightrope across the raging waters below us, remember that Jesus is the one holding the wheelbarrow. Will you trust him to take you and me to the other side? Let us pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for your love. Thank you so much for sending Jesus that in Jesus we might know who you are. Thank you for stepping into our place and purchasing our redemption and giving us the freedom that comes by your mercy and grace that we don't have to hold on to our past, that we don't have to hold on to our failures, our sins, that we don't have to pay attention to people who say we're worthless or that we will never amount to anything because we know that you made us in your image and that we can accomplish all things through you, the one who gives us strength. Help us to take steps of faith. Sometimes they're little, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Maybe there is one today or more than one who needs to take that very first step to invite Jesus into their heart to become their Lord and Savior. Lord, speak to their heart today and help them to take that first step. And if they're afraid or anxious, send somebody alongside them who can help give them the peace and the assurance and the confidence that they need. We devote this time of invitation to you and ask you to be Lord over it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.